worthy, 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 worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, worthy is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. His presence is in this place. In the previous service this morning, Brother Andy and the worship team led us through a, a beautiful song. Very few words, but powerful. And the song says, um, the lyrics, that there is no higher place than to be all the way down at your feet. No higher place. And now in this service, Andy and the worship team lead us to that imagery of be lifted higher. As we go to the feet of the master in submission and confession and lift him up in that intersection of us going down humbly to his feet and yielding to him. And in that moment of our praises elevating up higher, that intersection brings the miraculous. That intersection brings the glorious. That intersection ushers in the very presence of God. Let's lift up our hands. Father, I come before you in this very special moment where we sense your presence in this place. And Lord, you, you even speak to us without words. You embrace us. You strengthen us. Thank you that in the, the world that we're living, the context that we find ourselves of so much noise and insecurities, that we can find peace in you. We can be filled with hope in the middle of turmoil. Father, I thank you that even in this neighborhood, in this city, in this nation, as powers of good and evil move around, we can find ourselves here. Not in the physical place, but here, low, at your feet, you lift it higher. And find your peace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. I pray, dear Lord, that you would heal us, restore us, fill us with hope once again, that we can rejoice, Lord, that you are by our side, that the Holy Spirit floods the area around us, but also inside of us as well. Let that blessing, Lord, flow into our homes, our families, our workplace. Allow us, Lord, to be transformed through the workings of the Holy Spirit as we, as clay in your hands, are now molded by your benevolence and your goodness. I pray, dear Father, that today not be just another Sunday gathering, another moment when we can wave at each other, but let this be a transformational appointment that we have with you. I pray this. In the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in your place. First, let me thank you for 
making your way to our building today and uh, getting here. And, and, and I want to just, before I get into the sermon today, is just appreciate you and thank you for uh, these weeks and months. We've been gathering since the 4th of July weekend, every Sunday in person. And I know you've been very patient with us, and I, and I want to just acknowledge that and celebrate that. Uh, we are doing everything that we can to make sure this is the, the safest environment for you. We're following every single guideline that uh, the CDC has placed, and some, by the way. But I, I see when you come in and, you know, we, you, may want, you want, may have a preferred corner or, or whatever it might be, but you've been so workable with us. And I want to just thank you and continue in your time of patience. You know why? Because COVID is not going to be around forever. We're, we're, I'm looking forward to get the chairs out of storage and bring them out here and, and we can embrace one another. So I just want to thank you for working with us. We're not trying to make it difficult for you. We're trying to keep it safe. That's what we're trying to do. And I applaud the ushers and those that help us guiding us in and out. And Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Yes. 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 Amen. We appreciate you so much. You know, today the Lord played a fast one on us. And that is, if you look at the reading that we're doing, the daily reading, I couldn't have planned this. Uh, the reading for today is actually what I want to preach about today, or what I have to because the Lord landed this, this date with the text. Um, so it is not of my own uh, will that in the middle of what has happened this weekend with uh, the counting and uh, actually part of the turmoil and a woman becoming the next VP and all of this, it's good. Many people happy, many people unhappy, some confused. In the middle of all of this, that the Lord would guide us to this text in Chronicles. Because you know why? He knew what today was going to be a long time ago. And I've titled the sermon for today, listen closely, Be Careful with Doing It Your Way. Just be careful. Just be careful with, um, I'm not going to listen to anyone. I'm going to do it my way. Just be careful with, um, uh, I don't trust. So I need to make sure that I'm, I'm out for myself and I have my back, my own back. And, and, I, and I want to start off with, with a warning, a gentle pastoral warning, but direct. Be careful with doing it your own way, with stepping out of the norm that God has, with stepping out of what God spoke into your life, your family, uh, for years already, and yet you're doing it your way. And, I, and the reading for today is pulled right off the writings of uh, Chronicles, the Old Testament. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. And you know the story. And if you don't, hold my hand for a moment as I guide you through the very significant elements of the story. I'll read the text as I lift up the, the observations I want to give to you. But King David should have known better. And King David decided that it was time to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the people. And in the Old Testament, particularly in this passage, the, the Ark of the Covenant represented in a tangible way the presence of God the power of God, the authority of God. It represented for the people in that time that 
having the Ark of the Covenant, a tangible piece of furniture, if you will, and I'm saying it with the utmost respect for that, that it was showing the people that God was with them. That's what it typified. It was symbolic, but it was significant, significant symbolism. And so David, and I won't go into too much back history because I want to get to the text and, and, and unpack it on how it relates to us today. Now it was time, according to King David, to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. Uh, to be able to have in the center of the experience of the people of Israel the very presence of God. What David had overlooked because of the euphoria of the moment is that God had given specific instructions on how to handle the Ark of the Covenant. You see, um, in the Old Testament, God lifted up certain symbols and certain icons that needed to be treated with the utmost holiness. And I think we are living in a time where some of us might have forgotten that there are certain things that you need to be very, very careful with. Very careful with. I'm kind of old school on that. So, yeah, this is a building made of brick and mortar. But it's not a gathering for a social club. This is not a nightclub. It's a building that when we built it, we prayed a prayer of dedication, this building, and called it the house where the family of God would gather. So we can't come into this place and just treat it any which way, which is what King David made, did. rather. Huge error that he made on his part. We'll see it in a moment. And I believe that there's certain things like a building like this. Yes, but God dwells in here. You notice in the busyness of New York, we've walked into this building and we actually can go, oh, that doesn't happen in the nightclub you visited last week. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It didn't happen in the movie theater, which you said, with social distancing, of course. No. This is a special place. This altar is just, yeah, it's made. We had a construction company come in, and they built this thing. Beautiful, right? Wood, nice. But after it was done, we consecrated every plank. And we say, Lord, this is a holy place. Hallelujah. We need to treat it with dignity. We need to treat it with, with respect. Not just about lifting it up, it's in your heart. I've been, I, I grew up in church and at the age of 16 is when I really had an encounter with the Lord and I surrendered my heart to Him at the age of 16. But I grew up in church. And at that moment, you know what happens when you get that first love. I went, I bought the biggest Bible that Christian publications on 43rd Street you can find. Huge. It was, probably a, it was probably a pulpit Bible. Right, big Schofield Bible. Remember that one? I can't throw the Bible away after I'm done going through it. This is not just a book, Reverend Isaac. This, is, this, is a, this contains truth, transformational information for me. And if you notice, my Bible is actually pretty beat up. This one that I have. But if you go to my office here, and at home we have the other collection, I have the Bibles that I have. I can't throw this out. This is, this is sacred. This is a special book. In fact, a friend of ours says that a tattered Bible, a Bible that's all torn apart, means a life that's put together. Is your Bible torn apart? <laughs> so I can't throw this apart. I can't throw this away. Can't let, I have to treat it with respect. If you notice last Sunday when we had our prayer time, we wore our talits, our prayer shawl. And in Jewish tradition, you can't even send a talit to the cleaners. You can't. 
You can't just let it drag on the ground. You have to treat it with... Uh, and the church today needs to get back to honoring what needs to be honored. Yes. Hallelujah. You and I need to get back to that. We need to honor not just a building and not just a book and not just a platform, but we have men and women, saints in our church that have a direct line with God. And you may not like the way they dress and the way they come out sometimes, but they hear God and they speak God and they seek God. And we need to honor that in our house. We're living in a time where it doesn't matter, where people don't look. And David, King David, he, he did not honor the Ark of the Covenant and he wanted to bring it back. Because he wanted the presence of the Lord. But he wanted to do it his way. And if you look at the text, it says in the very opening of 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 1, it says, David conferred with each other, I'm sorry, with each of his officers, the whole commanders of thousands and commands of hundreds. Then he said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if it's the will of God. Don't you think he got it backwards? Oftentimes, we already brought the tickets, and then we say, Lord, is it okay if I move to Florida? We already got the marriage license, and they say, well, I'll save him. David got it backwards. He conferred with the people, and he said, if it's okay with the people and the will of God. We got it backwards, and I'm submitting to you today that today we got it backwards. We pray my agenda. This is what I want. This is how I want the politics to work out. I don't want to submit to your will. I don't want to submit to your desire in my life. Uh, I, I want to do it my way. We find that David got caught up in the moment and the euphoria of the people. I'm going to show you in a few moments something else. That in, in there, he forgot that the only true ruler is Jehovah God. The only true king is the king of kings. The only authority that we have to be responsible to yield to is God. But we've forgotten. We yield. We yield to so many things. Where the money is. Where the position is. Where the power is. The perceived power. But I'm here to tell you that all power and all authority starts and emanates from God. Did you hear what I just said? Start and emanate from God. David went and he made a big public display. Well, what do the people think? There's things that you can vote about, but there's things that you cannot vote about. You just have to submit yourself to. I noticed the amens are weighing a bit there. Say it again. Some things you can vote about, but then there's some things that you just got to yield to. And we're not good at yielding because we want to do it our way. And David goes and he tells the people, let's get together. And if, it's the, if that's what you want and the will of God, then let's send words so they could bring from the outermost places where it is stored right now, the Ark of the Covenant, bring it back to us. For we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. The whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed right to the people. And church, we need to be careful not to run with the crowd. We need to be careful with this wonderful flowery language that convinces anyone. We just, uh, by, by the way, the campaign is over, so stop campaigning. But if you, go, if you look back for a moment and you hear the way so eloquently they place things, you actually believe things that you don't actually believe in, but it sounds so good. We cannot go by the whims of the context that we're living in. We have to follow after truth, after justice, after peace, after fairness with people. We have to come against things that are definitely wrong in Scripture. 
and stand up for something, not for all things. You can't stand up for all things. We need to understand that the true ruler is God. That yes, we love the country that we live in. And I, and, I, and I want to encourage you at the end of the service, I'll encourage you as well as let's work toward unity. We want the best for, for this country, but God sits higher than 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. God sits higher than the capital of the United States. God sits higher than the constitution of this country. God sits higher. Where is your allegiance? You have to tell me, be careful in doing it your way. God has already given, had already given instructions that David was very familiar with. Exodus chapter 25, you can look it up later on, on how you handle sacred things, on how you handle the Ark of the Covenant. David knew, but he let the popularity of the people move him to inquire of God second. And I'm going to submit to you, inquire of God first. Go to him first, not with an agenda of what I want, but on the contrary, Lord, what is it? Can I trust you, Lord, to do what it is that you want to do. Cannot overrule God. God had given instructions. Don't get caught in the moment and forget God's instructions and plans for your life. We have to submit to him. He knows what he's doing. The second thing I see coming out of this text is that just because it looks holy, I'm sorry, that's my hallelujah moment. Just because it looks holy, just because it looks prophetic. Look at the text. We got to go to the Bible. Look at the text. It says in the text in verses 7 and 8, they moved the ark of God, Abinadab's house, on a new card. Now, see, here's what David tried to do. He tried to, in a way, cover up what God had commanded in Exodus of how you handle the ark by giving him a new ark. No. God said roundly, no. But for his own sake, and I guess for the public display, bring a new car, never used before. But it could be a new car. It could be a Rolls Royce, a Mercedes. It could be whatever. If it's out of God's will, it's out of God's will. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he says he brought the, 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 the new ark with Uzzah, guiding it along with his partner, David and all the Israelites Look at this. If, in fact, if you just read verse 8, you'll think it's a worship service. David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God, with songs and harps, lyrics, timbrels and cymbals and trumpets, and the euphoric a celebration was going up into the air. It looked like a service. It sounded like revival. It, it seemed like it was a camp meeting. The anointing of the Lord was all over the place. But just because it looks holy, and that's where some believers, right now the church is in a state of confusion. We've been listening to prophecies coming across on the airwaves, and we think that that's God. That, if that's God, then that can be God. If that's God, then that can be God. And you hear words about who should be and who should not be, and you're confusing yourself because you're listening to strange voices. The church is losing its prophetic edge. People say, God, thus saith the Lord, and the world laughs at us. The only place you can call angels to help you is to call to heaven for and God to send angels. Anything else, I don't see it in Scripture. I don't see it in Scripture. I'm sorry. I don't see it in Scripture. I don't see it in Scripture. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord forevermore. 
just because it looks like revival, just because someone speaks well, just because someone seems to have some kind of anointing, you got to be careful. I, I, I was rejoicing yesterday for many reasons, but one was this, this pastor came on, uh, on, on social, social media and he went to apologize because he said, I brought a word to the people months ago about how this election was going to turn out and it hasn't turned out the way I told you that it was, thinking it was prophecy. I was wrong. We need to be careful, church. We need to be careful. Everybody that rises up doesn't mean that it's God. You have every right to, to look and to explore and to seek confirmation. Prophetic words need to align with the word of God. If they don't align to the word of God, then they're aligning to some kind of other word. Are you, did you hear what I just said? It has to align with the word of God. It doesn't have to feel right. Sometimes when God punishes us or he's trying to correct us, let's scratch the word punish. When God wants to discipline us, he'll give us a word that's uncomfortable. Sometimes the Lord has said things to me that I don't like. Never mind if it's good for me. I just don't like, don't say it to me that way. Come on, do I have a witness here today? You ever had God slap you around, make you uncomfortable? So don't wait for the word to make me feel right or to think that that God's going to validate you in front of people because the prophet said something. You say, see, see, that's really God about me. Come on, you know I'm saying something that's true. We've got to be careful, church. We can't do it our way. If you push the anointing, you're really pushing your own sweat. Let God do what he's got to do. What is for you will be for you. What is for your kids will be for your kids. You don't have to push it. And particularly in the time that we're living, I believe the church has lost its prophetic edge. I believe part of the confusion of this year has not just been the pandemic. It has been that we have had people and allowed people to speak into our lives. I, 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 and, you know, and I'm not better than anyone else. I, I'm not better, but, but I understand enough that you've got to have some, dis, some discernment. That when the Lord said something, you've got to go to the Lord in prayer. You've got to go to that place of, 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 of brokenness before the Lord and have the Lord bring that conviction in your life. Too many people get married and God never told you to do it. Then you want to blame God. Too many people are getting divorced and, they, and God didn't tell you to do it. Too many people are moving and they shouldn't be moving. Too many people are staying and they shouldn't be staying. Too many people are going up to the front and they shouldn't be going up to the front. They need to wait. God is still cooking the stuff in your life. Timing is off. Right word, but timing is off. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Woo! Just because it looks right doesn't mean that it is. Because it looks and sounds like worship or prophecy does not mean that it is. Just because someone quotes scripture all over the place doesn't mean that God is using them to speak to you. Satan was excelling at quoting scripture when Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness, but the scripture didn't stop him from being the devil. Is this too much for you? You know why this is important? Because we're getting ready to walk into some incredible stuff. Stay with me as I continue preaching this. And we cannot keep going waiting for this guy and dialing 1-800-GIVE-ME-A-PROPHECY or logging on to www, a prophecy that will speak to me. Or get on the $1,000 line for a prophetic word instead of the 500 Come on now. Come on now. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm very old-fashioned in this house. I believe in the prophetic gift. 
I believe in the prophetic gift. But you notice how it happens here, and I'm just letting you know right now, somebody feels they have a word, amen, praise the Lord, come talk to me first before I give you the mic. I have a responsibility before God to let loose whatever's going to get loose in this air right here. I don't know how they do it in other places, but that's how we do it here. And by the way, I've studied deeply Paul's instructions to the church in Corinth, chapters 12 and 14, about how this, the, the Holy Spirit should function. And I've got to land somewhere, so that's where I've landed. And it isn't that I'm standing in the way. I want to make sure that the word you get is a word that helps you. I want to make sure that the, that the word you get is one that will lift you up. I want to make sure that what, when you get that word, it edifies you, not destroys you. Some people are calling down fire from heaven all the time. It can't always be that. Sometimes there's celebration. Sometimes there's affirmation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I feel like I'm all alone on this one, but that's okay. Praise the Lord. And by the way, write this down. Fakeness has consequences. Fakeness has consequences. Right now, because of what we've seen in social media, the church is confused. I've gotten the phone calls, conversations. Just because of that, make sure you got it right. Make sure that you really heard God. And then have the discernment to be able to get through the fluff. In fact, the Bible, the Bible teaches Paul to the church in Corinth that in part we know and in part we prophesy. So we got to get through the fluff of the in part we know. Hope you got that. Get through that in part we know. And get to the part in part, we, in part we prophesy. And we need to make sure, church, fakeness has its consequences. In fact, when you get it wrong, innocent people will get hurt. The Bible says, the Bible says in chapter 13, verse 9, when they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, Usa reached out his hand to steady the ark because the oxen stumbled. And then the Lord's anger burned against Usa. And if you look at the text, he was innocent. He was an innocent bystander. The one that failed in this public demonstration of God's wrath was King David. Leadership has consequences if you get it wrong. Leadership has consequences. And the innocent pay a price simply because leadership got it wrong. And then David had the audacity. I'm sorry, I'm getting all excited because this speaks like crazy. I won't be able to give you everything that I've discovered. But David had the audacity to get angry at God. In fact, people do that. I'm not going there. They're all stuffy. I'm not going there because they, they don't even greet you. I was the only one smiling. Stop thinking about you and get in a moment where you say, Lord, what are, you, are you ministering to me? Are you speaking to me? Are you stretching me? Am I growing? Is this the right place for you? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I'm looking around and somebody is squirming in the seats. I guess. Let's go. Let's hit it in second gear now. Innocent people. Usa was killed. Snuffed out. Now, if you're like me, because when I read this originally, when I was, you know, earlier in my journey with the Lord, I would read this text and I said, Lord, but why did you do that? Usa was innocent. That's kind of like, that's not nice. As my youngest granddaughter would say, that's, that's not nice. Right? Logical. You know what I do? I back away, I say, I'm so glad I'm living in the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, that's the way God rolled. You got out of line. You didn't get whacked. You got snuffed. That's Old Testament stuff. In fact, 
The only glimpse that we have in the New Testament of that type of Old Testament action is when Ananias and Sapphira came in to lie. Watch, watch lying. <laughs> Live in truth. When they were lying to the Holy Spirit and they were, they were snuffed out by God. Right? They were lying to the Holy Spirit and God came in. But that's, old, that's the way it was in the Old Testament, church. They got out of line and God corrected it immediately. You know why? Because the public display of disobedience, whoever was the one in charge of the obedience or disobedience, in this case it was David, but it was a public display. It had to be corrected publicly. That's what God had to do. And so that's why it seems that it wasn't just, but it was, it was correct in the context of Old Testament teaching. But innocent people will get burned. And we'll get hurt. That's why you need to be careful. You can't get it wrong with your family. Just because it's sunny somewhere else and you want to go because you want to hang out and get sand in your feet and, and stay in the sun rays right after the service, your children might suffer consequences because of that. You uproot them from where they are, where they have friends and connections. You bring them over there to a sunny place and their whole lives are, are, are changed. You change jobs because of more money. My advice to you, and this has been my journey, don't run after money. Don't run after money. God has strange math. You be faithful to God, and you're going to see. Hallelujah. You're going to see. And how many times you change jobs because of more money, and then it's hell. You left a quiet place that you were able to live with what you were earning, and you go over there. Well, now you're making so much money, but there's so much money. It's hell that you're living in. So now you have to get a psychiatrist, a counselor, a therapist, a yoga instructor, and on and on. So the money that you made, now you're pouring it into. You should have just stayed where you were. Oh, come on. You can say an amen. You can clap. You can shout. You can, we can do a little bit better than that. Hallelujah, you run after a relationship because I don't want to be alone. You're probably better off. Come on now, hallelujah. Probably God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. When 9-11 happened, this church was the center of the, of the work in 9-11. And during the journey that we were going through, me and Pastor Rick and others that were spearheading the recovery of our city and our nation actually came out. A lot of things were going on. And I remember one time we were, I mean, we were moving. This church was amazing during 9-11. We even got recognized by municipal, state, and, and federal government, and even internationally. I was in a, in, a, in a banquet. I think it was a banquet, as I recall. A place we were eating, anyway. Um, no social distancing at all back then. So, and, and I remember the person was a representative for some giant Christian organization. And he tells me, Reverend, I got a plan for you. I said, yeah, what's the plan? Now, I remember I come from Wall Street and, and all that stuff. So he tells me, you, he, and I love when they do this. This is what you're going to do. That line alone doesn't sit well. Pray for me. Pray for me. Say, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take two years off from your church, and then we're going to pay you six figures plus so you can travel the country and talk about your, uh, your, your 9-11 experience and how organizations such as churches, nonprofits, can benefit from whatever it is that you did because obviously the city is recovering. And I remember telling the person, thank you very much, but you obviously don't know me because I'm not lured by money. But if I would have gone and followed the money, it would have destroyed my family. It would have destroyed what God wanted me to do in this place. It would have affected future emergencies and crises that the city was going to be confronting and even our church that I need to be involved. Don't run after what, you know, just because it shines doesn't mean it's gold. Just because it looks right doesn't even mean it's God. 
Be careful in relationships and everything in your life, moving to an apartment. It is better to be in a studio, loving on each other and being okay, than being in a 10,000 foot, square foot, whatever it might be. Hallelujah. There were very few applause on that one. You want to you have a 10,000 foot penthouse. I got it. 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 It was not Usa's fault. It was King David's fault. And David wanted to blame God. Stop blaming God. You said it was God. You went ahead and did it. The consequences, you own them. You own them. Church is not going to fix it for you. You let your children run the way you let them run, and then you want them in one session to come and sit down with me or one of the pastors, and miraculously things get resolved. It's not going to happen. You and your spouse have done a great job destroying your marriage, and then you want it in a hocus-pocus moment that you have in your mind. Poof, everything is rainbows and butterflies. You're living with loneliness in your heart that you've perpetuated by decisions you've made throughout the journey. We'll work with it. I'm not trying to close the door. The door is open. But just own what you need to own. Own what you need to own. I'm going to say it again. Own what you need to own and stop blaming others. We, a lot of blaming is happening right now in, in the context that we're living. They're blaming this guy, that guy, this party, that party, this temperament. You know what? Let me, let me, let me just bring you back to reality. None of us are perfect. All of us need mercy. All of us need forgiveness. All of us need someone to give us another opportunity. The other thing I want to tell you is God didn't make you the judge nor me the judge. But we need to own what we need to own in our lives. Praise the Lord forevermore. Stop blaming God. David was angry with God when he should have been angry with himself. Own the results of your own decisions. Maturity is demonstrated when you stop blaming others for your poor judgment decisions. That's when maturity happens. Hallelujah. We gain weight not because the store sells all this sweet stuff. <clears throat> I'll turn around this way. No, it's because you, you got to blame your, if you're right-handed, blame your right hand. It reaches for that donut and the second donut and the third donut. It's you. We're not healthy. We're not fit. If you're like me, I hate exercising. My doctor just told me this week I have to start exercising again. I don't like him anymore. But if I don't do that, I'm not going to be healthy. And I need to be healthy to do what I do, right? I have to. And for my family, I have to be. So I have to go and sweat. Is there an amen in the house? My point here is own what you need to own. You say, yeah, but this is the attitude that I have. No, you can change that lousy attitude. No, but I was raised this way. You can change that. The negativity sometimes, the judgmentalism that we have, the unforgiving heart, the people have hurt you. Don't, how many times we're living now in 2020, but somebody hurt me back in 1876? <laughs> the morning, it was at 98 degrees outside in the morning. And, and we're still living today, 2020, with, and I don't want to dishonor, I, I really want to be very pastoral and sensitive about this. You know, those things happen, but how long? 
And people ask you how you're doing, and you take them back to 1776. They just wanted to know if you rested last night, and did you have coffee from Grumpy's, and that's all they want to know. We need to get beyond that last hurt. You hate men because somebody hurt you. You hate, hate women because somebody hurt you in the past. But not all men are like that. Not all women are like that. God has restored people. Come on, give the Lord a praise for a moment. Hallelujah. Stop blaming God for your mistakes. Own them. It's a sign of maturity. Listen, also, God's orders, you know, one thing I've discovered about God, pastors, is that my discovery, Pastor Fennel, is God, he, yesterday, is the same God today that as I'm looking back. And then is the same God that's, the, the God that loved me yesterday, Pastor Carmen, is the God that loves me today and will love me to tomorrow. We need to understand this concept, which is not that explosively mind-blowing, but God's orders don't change. We change. Can I tell you a real deep secret right now? You're listening to me right? real deep secret as I look around this beautiful audience. You look different than from last January. Nobody here is laughing. Let me go on this side. Okay. Did we not change from the beginning of the year? Yeah. We did change. Let me leave it there. You go wherever you want to go in your mind. We changed. But the January God is the November God. And will be the December God. The God, and some of you say God called me. The God that called you in 1876. He hasn't changed his mind in 2020, and he won't change his mind. The God that promised you, I will protect your children. I will protect your grandchildren. Your home will be a place of peace. He promised that last year. He stands firm on his word today, and my kids will be taken care of tomorrow because God is faithful, 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 faithful. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ha we change, but he does not change. He is the same. And David, King David thought that God's rules can be bent. No, you can't bend God's rules. We've got to bend ourselves to live according to the word. And it's hard. Society changes. I love studying comparative religions. And, and one of the fascinating things that, that I find, because I have to, not only do I enjoy it, but I have to because as a pastor, and I see the struggle that the Roman Catholic Church, which I admire tremendously, by the way, is, is always having this tension with the American Catholic Church. Because the American Catholic Church says the following. They're devout to their Catholicism, but it's in their way, American Catholics. So uh, the Pope is constantly trying to struggle with things like celibacy and even the issues of abortion and all of that and same-sex marriage because the American Catholics say, yes, but we have to accommodate our, our context. And the Vatican is saying, no. No. Church, I'm telling you today, we don't have to accommodate 
the word to our depravity. It is what it is. It was, it is, and it will be. And until my last day of pulpit, a public pulpit ministry, that's the way you're going to hear it from my mouth. And it applies to me. And it applies to you. It applies to all of us. God does not change. I no longer, I've been pastoring for a long time. I told the Spanish church this morning, I almost started to sound like an old man this morning. I've been pastoring for a long time. But listen, I don't go to my altar of brokenness and say, Lord, did you really call me? Did you really have your eye on me? I don't go. That already, that's already resolved. My prayer is, I can't believe you called me. I can't believe that you speak to people through me. I can't. That I, and it's not an issue of low self-esteem. It's that I, I understand my frail humanity before this awesome God. And I said, I, I say, wow, because there's no way to explain that chasm between who I am as a broken vessel and God's omniscience as the provider of everything that exists. That's amazing. Hallelujah. But some of us are still struggling and praying the same 1876 prayer. You need to get away from that. God doesn't change. Holiness and spirituality cannot be an accommodation. We are called to be holy. We are called to be different. We are called to live by the, the, the teachings of the word. The, the Sermon on the Mount needs to be our roadmap for how we handle things. I believe that in the middle of all the chaotic stuff that has happened, not, and I'm not talking specifically about the pandemic, about this election craziness that has happened, the only agency that can be used to bring healing to our land is the church. But it's a church that has learned about brokenness. It's a church that has learned about forgiveness. It's a church that has shown maturity in the way it carries out its things. A church that knows how to carry the light and give the light. A church that has not accommodated to the, to the context that we live in. Church, we have an awesome responsibility. And my task as the leader here in this church is to make sure that this group of people and those on the other side of the camera that belong to us, that our ministry is ready. We cannot wait till January 20th for all of a sudden, poof, everything is hunky-dory. We have to be ready now. We have to start getting ready now to pick up the torch of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To let it penetrate our lives so that we act different, we talk different, we behave different, we interact differently. We lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when the moment comes to heal our nation, God says, I have a people. I have an army. I have a group of individuals that listen to me and trust me. And through them, I'm going to do mighty things. That's me and you. That's not somebody else. You can see we're living in the world where denominational leaders and, and big Christian names, they've, they've failed us, added to the confusion. It is in the brokenness of our, our seniors that intercede and talk to God every single day in the purity of their experience with God, where we find truth. It is in places like this that we have a city that's upside down, yet you can come in here and feel, you know you feel it in your heart. Hallelujah. That's the presence of the Lord. We have to be ready to hit the ground running. I'm glad by what I'm hearing. I'm glad by what I'm feeling. I, I, I never cry over politics. And this weekend I was weeping when I saw people, finally immigrants will, be, will feel safe. Finally, we, kids don't have to be in cages. Finally, hallelujah, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. 
finally, you, even women can rise up in leadership. I'm like filled with hope. Hallelujah. High expectations. But it's not going to happen if we keep living it and doing it our way. We need to plop ourselves on the potter's wheel and allow God to shape us and mold us. We need to let the Lord speak through us, first to us and then through us to others outside. We want to be able to use old systems to be able to fabricate the, the, the move of God. No, he looks for contrite and broken vessels that understand his greatness, not our frailties, but his greatness. And through his grace, he just fills us with the ability to speak. I hope you're getting this, church. You are the light. You are the hope this nation is looking for. Not you, but the Christ inside of you and inside of me. We cannot remain silent. We cannot be judgmental. This is not the time to take sides. Pastor E and I, my wife and I this week, we talked about this back and forth. And we had said, you know, whatever the outcome will be, we're going to accept it because of God. Whatever the outcome will be, we're going to rally behind that individual. Whatever the outcome will be. Because we realize that my, my king is not sitting uh, once again at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. My king is Jehovah God, Jesus Christ in my life. My loyalty is to him. And he has called us to be a catalyst of change. He has called us to be a vehicle of hope. Listen, I'm, a, I, 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 I'm passionate about this. If people can't find hope in your conversation with them, where, they're going, where are they going to go? If you can't tell the story of, of, of forgiveness and demonstrate it in your life, where are they going to go? If you can't live in truth and honor truth, where are they going to go? We need to challenge now the dividedness that is all around us as we celebrate this change. But don't, don't celebrate this change from a side, but rather as us, not me, but as us together moving forward. I believe that the church has been battered. I believe that the church, the enemy has tried to divide the church. It ha he has failed again, but he has tried. And church, we need to get up strong, trusting the Lord, honoring him. His orders over us do not change. We are called to strive to holiness. We are called to speak truth. We are called to walk in humility. We are called to seek the peace of the city. We are called to love everyone, regardless of what lifestyle they want to live. God did not call me nor call you to change anybody. Listen to me closely. Change anybody. The one that changes and transforms individuals is the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But we've got to love people where they are, and through our love, they will be transformed. They will be changed. Hallelujah. Come on, praise the Lord with me for a moment. Hallelujah. Listen to me. The standard of the gospel is very high, and it should be. Don't dare to lower it. Don't embarrass the cross by your conversations and interactions with people. Don't embarrass the blood of Jesus and the name of our Savior by the things that we post and that we read in social media. We need to understand that God has a very high standard. Hallelujah. The, the cross wasn't cheapened by Christ dying and shedding his blood. The cross was elevated as we sang today. Hallelujah. As the ultimate sacrifice for humanity. 
don't dumb it down. Don't dumb down the gospel. Hallelujah. If you don't know, don't comment. Let others that know comment. Just go in prayer before God and let's build the kingdom of God in the places that we live. Service in his kingdom is high and it should be. We should have high expectations. I went to see my doctor this week as a follow-up. And this is a gentleman that I trust him very much for his science and the way, the way he handles this precious creation of God. He's been my doctor for a while. And, we, and I, when I always a very chill, younger guy than I, but very cheerful. You know, the ironies of God, right? He's a sports specialist. Me, going to a sports specialist. But anyway, he, so he, he, I walk into his room, and then I noticed that he was like heavy burden. I, I said, whoa, whoa, you're, usually he's asking me, am I okay? I said, you all right? And he went on. He was like, he says, you know, it's, it's beyond depression. I feel this gloominess all, all around me, you know, and on. And then he says, Jesus needs to come. He said, are you, now he's telling me, are you all right? I said, yeah, I just. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, Reverend, now he called me by my name because I don't go in there as Reverend, blah, 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 blah. He says, Reverend, we need people like you. And we need a church like your church. He's very familiar with this church because he used to be from this neighborhood. He says, you've got to provide the leadership we need. You've got to work. And this is, my sermon was all, I'm going to get emotional. Sermon was already outlined and done. And he's telling me, you've got to provide hope in this world that's in despair. And church, that's the burden we have. If not you, and if not me, who? Who? We don't need angels from anywhere else. The angels are right here. We don't need intervention from anybody else. Would you be willing? Let me close. I'm going to ask you, let's stand for a moment. I want to bring you stand because this way I'll definitely close. Listen to the last part. It says here that because they mishandled the, the Ark of the Covenant, um, what happened is Usa obviously was killed in God's wrath with what had taken place. People were, became, became fearful of what they saw, this public display of God's punishment for handling the Ark of the Covenant incorrectly. So David must have uh, reset. Resetting is important. He recalibrated, reset. And then they sent the home, the, I'm sorry, they sent the Ark. It says in verse 13, uh, 13 and, and 14, he says, instead, he took the house of Obed, uh, uh, of Enid, Enid, Edom, I'm sorry. The Ark of the Covenant remained there in Obed's home for three months. Now, now watch this. The nation was grieving. The nation was confused. The nation didn't know what just happened. They didn't have direction. But it says in verse 14, and the Lord blessed his house, and everything he had. This house, this place, you and I and you on the other side, is the place where the presence of God has been dwelling. And God is in the habit of blessing while in chaos, of blessing while sick, while of, of blessing while going through the storm. The nation here was in upheaval, yet God blessed wherever his presence was and everything in it. 
You know how I apply that? I hope you get what God is telling you. You can't do it your way anymore. But even those that don't get it, because of the obedience of those that do get it, you're going to be blessed as well. Did you get that? I want to invite you right now, here and there, the time of running from God is over. The time of doing it your way is over. It needs to stop today. You need to get back to some old-fashioned discipleship that taught you all along. It isn't about this theology, that program. It's about prayer, fasting, getting into the Word of God, fellowship, service, consecration. It's about that. And you've been trying to accommodate all of these spiritual disciplines to rationalize the results of your poor decisions. That has to stop today. In fact, you need to get your life back with God. Here in this audience, you need to get yourself back with God. This situation that has been created in this country over the past years and what has happened this weekend, you know it's true. Didn't it feel like a burden? Forget the names of people. But didn't it feel like a, like a weight was lifted? Like a cloud started to dissipate. But wait, 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 before we get all happy, and, and, and we will get happy, but who's going to take the charge? He's looking at men and women, young people, even children, that would say, Lord, we trust you. We're not going to do it our way. God has dismantled all systems. Our worship looks different. Our liturgy has been changed. The things that we banked up before, all of a sudden, because God is doing a new thing. But that new thing starts, starts at that place of brokenness and say, Lord, I've tried it my way. I need to go back to your way. Let's bow our heads. Every eye is closed and head bowed. If that's you, just hold up your hands if that's you. Lord has been talking to you. That's you. I see your hand. This is the day it changes. This is the day it changes. On the other side of that camera, that's you. Father, I stand in this place, Lord, where I sense your power and presence in a way that's beyond palpable. I see the way, Lord, you're rattling us. This season, this time, you're looking for men and women to say yes and follow not our way, but your way. Men and women, Lord, here in this audience today and those looking at us now through technology, they've been called, Lord, but they they got distracted. We're not here to judge them. We're here to invite them back. Lord, The church has to respond. Too many precious lives and innocent people will continue to be hurt. We have the hope of glory. We have the Prince of Peace. We live, Lord, and have the the Savior of truth. What the world is seeking. But we have made it unattractive by the trappings, by our words, by our insults, 
by our looking away at flagrant and obvious failures. We confess to you, Lord. Receive our confessions, Lord. And I pray, Lord, I lift up my hands and, and Lord, I just join hands with those that are raising their hands right now because they feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in this place and on the other side of that camera. And I hold up their arms, Lord, right now. And I look in their face and I tell them individually, you're valuable. He loves you. He has forgiven you. You can start over. I want to tell them, Lord, in this house, in this place, we won't judge you by the craziness of your past. We'll look at the potential of your future. We'll affirm your relationship with the Lord and let him mold you as he molds clay The work ahead is greater than any one individual. It has to be a mighty army that says yes. So, Father, I release your people today. Holy Spirit, everybody lift up your hands. You got to lift up your hands, right? Everyone. Holy Spirit, breathe upon us. Throughout this audience, this congregation, breathe upon us. Come into my mind, my heart. Change me from the inside out, Lord. Come upon us, Holy Spirit. Walk up and down these aisles, Lord. We don't want to social distance with you, Lord. Just come and embrace us. Touch your people. I raise my hand, Lord, over this congregation. Lord, you're looking for men and women that say yes. We'll do it your way. Be glorified. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, stay there in this moment, this posture of worship before the Lord.